Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch, sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis, five locations. STLMasses.com is their website. You can find out all their specials there. They've got, oh, they got pasta, they got pizza. They're the title sponsor. You know about them. And I know my next guest must enjoy a good Italian pizza or a meatball sub, Jim Florentine. I believe you're Italian, right? Yeah, Italian and Irish. (laughs) So... How much Italian? I, Florentine sounds like an Italian name, I thought. Maybe I was stupid. Like 40%, 40-40. <clears throat> you know, I haven't done the whatever you do, 23 and me or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> well, this is, is... No, I don't. You know, you find out your background. Oh. You do the DNA test. I'll pass. Yeah. I'll pass. It's probably all... Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of mix, a lot of mix. You've come on here before, so I appreciate it. And uh, I know that you came uh, on the last time you were going to do some uh, stand-up at the Funny Bone in St. Louis, and you were touring, and you were kind of going all over the country. And now you're not. What I just—that's why I got curious. I know you do a podcast, and you wrote a book, and you've been kind of talking about this. But what is it like? I think a lot of people think about you know restaurant workers and all these people that can't really perform their careers. But how about? You know, musicians, entertainers, and stand-up comedians. I mean, this is how you make your your, your daily living. Uh, what's it been like for you not to be able to just go out on stage and, and make that living right now? Yeah, it is weird, you know. Um, you know, you just used to just going out every night and doing four or five nights a week doing shows, and then all of a sudden it's completely shut down. I've done like three in, in the last four months or five months to been shut down. You know, it's just good to be back up on stage. But like outdoor shows... You know, not in a club and pack club or anything like that. So, no, it sucks, man. We're just, um, and who knows when it's going to get better. You know, I don't know. I mean, I miss kind of like the funny bone in St. Louis and just traveling. I love that. I don't miss being on a plane and all that stuff. But still, I just like, you know, the action of getting up and doing a show and feeling that rush and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I will. I used to do a little more traveling, not as much as a stand-up comedian, but I don't miss airports and traveling and lugging my bags around. I think I the one thing that's been nice is not having to jump on planes. I, I like traveling, but I don't like all that other stuff, so I'm assuming you feel the same. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, and then I have to worry about the announcements, you know, telling me how to put a seatbelt on because I wasn't sure how to do that, you know. Do you get on set? You know, sometimes the bags shift in the upper overhead compartment. I didn't, you know, because a lot of times when I open that, when the plane lands, just stuff piles out and falls on people. I've never seen that happen ever. There's nothing worse than that time when the seatbelt light gets off and everybody stands up as if they're going to run to the front. I don't, I don't, we could sit here and talk about airplane. Do you, do you fly Southwest at all? I like Southwest Airlines. I don't need any singing flight attendants though. Oh, thank God. I, I Once in a while, I fly Southwest, but not rarely because I'm on the East Coast, so it's more united. But I've done a couple, I've done a couple of Southwest where they sang. It's terrible. <laughs> um, the mood. You want to lighten up the mood, just give me, you know, give me a, a $25 voucher for the next flight. Hand them out to people. That's how you lighten up the mood, not by you singing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also like almost asleep. You know, we're in the air. I've fallen asleep finally. I haven't slept all night. And now you're going to sing to me about the uh, the uh, mountains that are off to the left. I don't need that. Yeah, that's great. I like when the pilot comes on and tells us, you know. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going from New Jersey to Tampa. It's August. Yeah, right now, currently at like 11 in the morning. The current temperature in Tampa is uh, 87 degrees. We'll give you an update when we get closer. What, in an hour? What is it going to be? Uh, you know, 22 degrees? It's going to go up like two or three degrees. I don't need an update in a couple hours. 
Well, it sounds like we're both on the same page. I think, yeah. Jim, I think everybody is awful. Uh, and I know that has sort of been your tagline. You wrote a book uh, called that, and it, it got a lot of people to read. And I know you're basically just kind of having observations like this. But uh, the book came out. You, you started a podcast. Uh, you're working with Barstool Sports. Just talk about kind of what you've been doing. I know it's, I think it's about two years since we talked. But uh, I think the book was just coming out at that point. So everybody is awful is sort of your tagline. It's nice. It's it's perfect because uh, mine is I hate people. Probably not the best thing to say, but mine is I hate people. Tell me a little bit about how things are going with uh, Barstool Sports podcasting and then the book. Yeah, the book is basically based off of my podcast. So my podcast is basically I people send me stuff on social media or articles or whatever like that. It's just people doing awful things and I just make fun of it. I've been doing it for like nine years now, and I just moved over to Barstool Sports in January, and they've been great. I do two podcasts a week, Monday and Thursday, you know, let you do whatever you want over there. They're great. It's a great company to work for. You get to see David Portnoy a lot and get to curse. Yeah, curse. yeah. Going to stu- I haven't been to the studio since March, you know, everything. so I'm doing it from home. But yeah, whenever I would go in there on Tuesdays or whatever, I always see him. He's a good dude. I like him. Say he, it's going to be hard for him to sort of continue his act because it seemed like everybody was okay. We hit COVID. We had a few other speed bumps, and now it's really, you know, I don't know if we what we can talk about right now, Jim. Dave doesn't care. Remember, they were trying to do something with him, an old video a few weeks ago, and he goes, I don't care. You don't cancel me. I cancel you. <laughs> it's so funny. He doesn't care. I He did come the, through here. The, 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 you know, the media just – portrays this thing out there that like everybody is offended the whole world you know and it's really not like that like if you come to a comedy club nobody's walking out it hasn't been going you know for the last 10 years people aren't walking out because they're offended if they're offended by something they just don't come to the club so uh, a lot of that so with barstool everyone thinks how could they get away with this because people are always offended they're not they got a huge audience you know their podcast platform is huge everything about the company is is huge and so often a few people get offended. It's better publicity for the company. More people flock to that. Like when I find out, I'm like, oh, you know what? I heard a boss do like five years ago and they're getting in trouble. I got to check this out. Because so I'm like, good, I, I want to listen to people get in trouble. And there's a lot of people like that. Well, I, I know he came through here and I, I have a very open mind on everything. And he I think he crushed the pizza that we have here, which is everyone comes to St. Louis and they hate the thin crust pizza. And it's fine. I don't care. But he crushed it. And it just made so many St. Louisans mad. And I was like, eh, good. You know, it just it, everybody needs to get a little sense of humor. Young Page Views is from here. I, I don't know if you know him, but he's a huge hockey fan. He was enjoying the Stanley Cup run last year. Um, right. So, yeah, I think it's it's fun. I like people that stir it up a little bit, and then uh, I also love when people react like it's the worst thing they've ever seen. So good for him. It doesn't really matter if he didn't like the thin crust pizza. It's, it's like people are really going to take that personally. Who cares? Like in, in New Jersey, like Taylor ham, uh, egg and cheese, like that's a breakfast sandwich here that you're supposed to eat in New Jersey. And if someone made fun of it, it tastes awful, by the way. And I don't know anyone in New Jersey, and I live here, that eats it. But I guess when people come in, they have to try it. If they made fun of it, I'm like, yeah, I know. It's terrible. Even if I liked it, I'm like, who cares? You did a podcast uh, recently about awful 80s songs, and I was pissed off at you. I love Kajagugu. I don't know why there's a problem with Too Shy being out there. You can't like that song. There's no way. <laughs> Unless you're transitioning right no. now. Can't. Have you ever heard the Never Ending Story, also sung by this? The, I think it was named Lamal. Uh, never Ending Story. Yeah, yeah. I had not heard that since I was a kid, and it made me laugh. Like this is a parody song. It was like number five in the top forty back then. And I was a kid. I guess as a kid, you just sort of 
don't care about those things. But you go back and listen, and there's a part where he goes, oh, <laughs> it's just it's like, there's no way there's other people singing this out loud except if uh, you're in a different club, I guess. But, uh, no, I know. It's just like that. Like so, a lot of that 80s music just hasn't stood the test of time. Like you listen to it now, it's like, ah, oh, it's terrible. You know, like the 70s music, like the Stones, the Bob Seger and Leonard Skinner, that classic stuff, that old Billy Joel, Al John, that still stands That still stands up. But that 80s synthesizer, drum, drum machine, just terrible, most of it. Terrible. I think it still stands. It's right up there with sympathy for the devil. I swear. Well, you know, I, my whole thing is like when you when they play those songs in a store, like you got you know Kasha Gugu cranked into CBS. I'm just trying to pick up some shit. I don't need to hear this song. You know, they just think like it's safe music to play. Like, like nobody wants to hear that. Nobody goes into a store to hear you know Howard Jones. Things can only get better. Like, oh, I get this. I'm going to stay five minutes longer. I love this song. You need an everlasting love by Howard Jones. <laughs> so, yeah, Jim was talking about that on his podcast, Everybody is Awful. And, then, again, you can, I've re- you can go to Apple. Uh, I guess you can get it everywhere, barstoolsports.com. Uh, but I'm always interested. I know that we talked about Howard Stern a little bit last time, and I'm always interested just how that relationship went with you when you got there. What was it like the first time you got called in there? I don't feel like you get real worked up or – for what I can tell, but it had to be kind of cool. How did that happen? Does Gary call you? Just give me that first trip into the Howard Stern show because that that does when a stand-up comedian walks in there, they can walk out and then start selling out shows for six months, a year, five years. It was unbelievable. I remember it was July 18, two thousand one. Oh. I still remember that date like it's someone's birthday or a death date. Um, no, I was always a big fan. Like I worked construction, I was a landscaper. So I'd always, especially in the, I lived in New Jersey. So he was big in New York. So that's all I do was listen to Howard Stern constantly. So I was a huge fan of the show. I started doing comedy and I put out these prank call CDs and I mailed it into the show and they started playing it on the air. And, you know, they're like, oh, we got to have this guy in. He's really funny. And then they go, oh, okay, you book, you got to sit in for a whole day on this day in July. And, uh, you know, if you know the show, you know when they, you know, jump in and jump out. I'm like, all right, great. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I remember being in the green room, like 10 to 6, the show starts at 6 a.m. And I'm just standing there. And I see Howard walk by. I see Rob and I see Fred. I see everybody. I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm here. I, I'm like, this is unbelievable. I've been fans of these people forever. I go, all right, I can't mess it up. I go, I got one shot. I go, so just pretend like they're just your friends. I go, you know the show, so just bust balls. That's the show. You know, I remember like the first like three minutes, Howard's like, hey, congrats, nice to meet you, whatever. Jim's going to sit in the show. And he's went right in there telling a story about um, him and Beth, his wife, on the beach. And they found like a bird or something like that. And they saved the bird. And he, he had a tear in his eye. And I go, Howard, did you? I go, you should really check your pants for a penis. And he just I knew it to throw it out. And he just lost it. And I was like, God, I got my first laugh. That was like five minutes into the show. So this is obviously Jackie had just left, and this is that point where they they were sort of auditioning for that chair. Were you auditioning, or were you just sitting in? Because we know Artie gets it at the end of the year, but I know what Craig Gass was in there, Ron Zimmerman, Fitzsimmons, I believe. They they just kind of brought in a bunch of guys. I don't know if they were. Did you feel like you were auditioning, or was it just hey, just sit in and how how did they explain it to you? No, it wasn't an audition. They just said, look, we're going to have different guys, a rotating guest to to sit in. We're going to rotate you guys. We're going to pick like eight or ten guys and. I'm like, okay, so we didn't even know it was an audition, but I guess at some point they gave me like Hardy's the best for this job, so let's hire him, which is fine. I mean, he was great for the job. I mean, he, uh, you know, 
I wasn't I wasn't jealous or anything like when he got the job. Like, okay, that's fine. I was still going on the show all the time, so it didn't really make a difference. He and he was so good on there, especially early on. I just remember he would have things that he would say that Howard didn't even catch, but they were so funny to me. And it, this it it added. I always there's always that little arc of the show, and I started listening way back in the early '90s. So it was Jackie and, and that group with Billy Billy West, and then it changed over to basically Artie Suttering John and KC, and I felt like. I don't know, for some reason, I felt like that was the prime. I know that a lot of older fans be like, oh, no, the Jackie years. I, I guess there's these people that kind of compare and contrast. Do you have a favorite era of those shows? I like the Jackie shows, Jackie, Billy West. <laughs> I listen to those on YouTube. It's unbelievable the things they were saying and what they were getting away with. And I liked how they danced around the, 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 the dirty language, the cursing and stuff like that, and made up words and danced around it, and how it was just out of control then. I, I the Artie years were great. They were different, you know. Artie was more of like a, a you know a sidekick yeah. talking. You know, Jackie wasn't. But um, I uh, those those years were great too with the, with the art. But, you know, Howard was also going through a lot with the FCC at the time. When I went on the show, two thousand one, you know, he left for serious two thousand six. The FCC was on his case. Remember the Janet Jackson thing, and then his uh, Clear Channel took him off like ten stations because he wouldn't listen to their new rules and all that stuff. So he was going through a lot of crap where he was handcuffed. So when he got to serious, he just let loose again, too. But I look, all those all those years were great. When, when Jack, But I like the Jackie years better for some reason. I, I watch the old Channel 9 shows on YouTube, which are great. You're, you're just making me think about it, though. And, and all you'd have to hear was a, even Fred just playing a hee-hee, and that would make me laugh for just on something yeah, stupid. Jackie's laugh after all those terrible stories and stuff. <laughs> And then when they, whenever they would attack, I mean, Howard was so vicious when he would attack Gary or Jackie or Fred during those fights or Stutter and John in the 90s. It was brutal. I love listening to that. It's just a beatdown. Yeah, it was almost painful, but still glad that you weren't being part of it. Um, what, he used to tell Gary to, uh, to uh, um, you know, uh, talk after me. I, I, will, will. This <laughs> so Oh, so the great, the great. Yeah, Gary's been there forever, just taking it. I guess it's it's made you know built him a few houses and that that. Big, I love when he had the, the the seating thing built in his house, and they just made fun of that for weeks. Oh yeah, with the stools. Why would you sit on the stool? Yeah, right. He had to sit in the back where all the other people came in in the comfy chairs. Yeah, he's like, why would who wants to sit on a stool to watch a Super Bowl? It's stupid. Would, would you get nervous, though, kind of going in there, knowing that, hey, a lot of people are going to be listening. This is going to be, I mean, would it, or did you just sort of wing it and kind of, you yeah. know, you're funny. You knew what you were yeah, doing. because you knew. I mean, it was like, you know, at, the, at his prime, it was like, I don't know, they said 15 to 20 million people listening, you know, even in the early 2000s. So it was like, you know, it was huge. And it's just a response you got. And then you'd always hear back, you know, you tell a story and then, you know, you'd hear from everybody from your past. Like you couldn't believe how many people listen to that show. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, and it's just funny living, listening, think about those other memories of just stuff we were talking about. And it's weird. I know, you know, as Gary, that they've evolved. Thoughts on just kind of how how it's going? Because I don't think they they don't really bring in comedians anymore, right? You haven't been in in a long time, and has it been? No, they do like a more like they're only on three days a week, and they you know they got a listers coming in now. They never used to get Lady Gaga, and Madonna, and. Bradley Cooper and stuff like that. They had dirtbags like us. So the show's changed. It's fine. I still do the wrap-up show like twice a year. We're all friends. I still talk to all those guys. I see because I work at Sirius. I work on the Hard Rock Channel, Ozzy's Boneyard. I do a show over there. So I'm always up there doing different shows. So it's all good. Hey, man, the way I look at Howard is like 
he discovers you, he launches you, and then you're on your own. He gives you that moment, hey, make it work. Well, I give you all this exposure, and then I'm going to move on from you, and I'm going to bring other people in. That's the way I always looked at it. So I've never had any regrets or be mad at him that I don't go on the show anymore. I'm like, the guy gave me a huge break. I'll always be grateful. Yeah, and I, like I said, I named those guys off, Craig Gass and Greg Fitzsimmons. I didn't really know those guys at that point. Of course, you guys have all done different things since, but you're right. I mean, it, <laughs> you go on there twice, and people are going to know who you are. So, um, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, no, those were fun years. Um, t- I don't know if you talked to Artie. I was just curious if <laughs> you've heard from him or how is he doing. We don't. Nobody knows. He's MIA, and you know, who knows? He'll pop up, and they'll start doing nineteen different podcasts. You know. All right. So, what's on that? Was it a Star Wars cup? I'm sorry. I always get a little. Like... No wrestling. My kids into wrestling. Oh, the SmackDown. Okay, I see. Yeah, that's yeah, no, no, no Star Wars for me. I've never seen one second of that. So how do you still get like residuals for terrorizing telemarketers? I mean, does it, do people still remember that? I mean, that was a long time ago and it was a different time. I mean, now you have caller ID and you YouTube back then it was, I mean, as a kid, I would do that, but I never really thought of, Oh, let's record them and put them on CD. Do you, do you still see some money for that? And do people still remember way back in the, oh, yeah. that stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, yeah. But you know, cause now, uh, yeah, I mean, they're so uh, serious. They get played a lot, the prank calls. People rediscovered them now through YouTube. You know, for a while, they, no, no one was even talking about it. About five years ago, they really kicked in again. And a whole younger generation started listening to the calls on YouTube or on satellite radio on the comedy channels. So, yeah, people still go crazy over them. Yeah. My kid was just listening. He's 10. He's like, Dad, play me this one. I never heard. I want to hear them all. Like, he's obsessed with them now. I was just—I forgot too. You did weird things like upper deckers, <laughs> but yeah. I think the best one. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. It depends on how you are. But I guess the one now that I'm thinking—this is just me remembering—the uh, guy who comes over with the salad, and you just keep telling, "No, I'll take more pepper." <laughs> was that you? That was a pepper on my chicken for 35 straight minutes, <laughs> and he didn't stop. He didn't stop. We had a hidden camera, so he didn't know. I'm like, no, keep going. He's like, sure. I'm like, yeah, don't, I'll tell you when to stop. And I just made him go for 35 minutes. He's switching arms. His arm got tired. They brought another guy in because his arm was tired. A relief pepper guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, we did like a hidden camera pranks. We did a, a, a series for Comedy Central. It was on their broadband channel and the internet channel. And then we had a pilot to do it on the regular channel. Didn't get picked up. They said it was too mean because we were pretty vicious. But we, you know. We just like mess up. We did shit like that. We took an upper deck and we just shit in the top of the toilet tank. <laughs> Wait, is that the most memorable <laughs> prank? I, because that's the one I remember. You, I guess it would. I think the pepper one is probably the most memorable one. Yeah, we do. We t- t- took upper deckers too. Is there? I mean, does your kid ask to do hear special ed? I mean, that, obviously that was. Oh yeah, he's now he's uh, totally upset. There's a there's some show on YouTube all these kids watch where these kid these teenagers with these like Mario puppets those Mario stuffed animals and they, they say dirty shit. And there's one that looks just like special ed. They have like a, and he's like, and I go, I go, I go, I can, you know, special ed did that years ago, but now he's all in the special ed calls. He's obsessed with them. Can I get 10 seconds of special ed just for my own? Anyway, he can't understand why, you know, you know, crank actors is back on the air after 12 years. So he's like, you know, hopefully special ed way back. We're hoping we don't know. Well, I mean, right here. Hey, you go, lady. I got mail. <laughs> I know because you can still do the voice. I go, yeah, it's a piece. Of, yeah, it's not, I didn't have to do anything different. 
Do you find out guys that do voice work? I feel like I could do voice work and make money. Is it is that a real? I think, or is that a talent? I know you just did it; and it was great. But is that something? Is that a real talent, or is that something most people could do, and you just have to be in the right lane to get that kind of work? I really can't do any voices except for that. <laughs> I just always did that as a kid. Like if a team scored a touchdown, I'd like like an ass. So, Yay! Touchdown! Just jump up and down like an idiot. But I don't do any voices. Like I would never be good for. I always said I was never good, be good for Saturday Night Live. I don't do any characters or voices, you know. So no, that's a special talent. Like a guy like Craig Dash you brought up before. Guy's phenomenal with voices. That's true. You know? I love, but I love Fred's impression of you. Like he had it. Down. Oh, I gotta go. I, I try doing it. Yeah, I can't do it. You're watching YouTube the other night. There was a clip of me when I was on the show and Fred was doing me. And he's like, he doesn't sound like you at all. And I'm like, no, he does. He goes, no, that that doesn't sound like you. But at the time, I don't know. I mean, I think I thought it did. And people always thought that, you know, that when they would see me do live, like I come to the funny bone in St. Louis, they couldn't believe that I wasn't that dirty because everything Fred said was so dirty. That's right. And when I did my stand, my stand-up's not that dirty. And people are like, I thought you'd be a raunchier. I didn't bring my wife because she was going to be disgusted. I go, no, I go, that's just Fred, what he makes up. You think was Fred writing that himself on the fly? It was, it was Benji passing. Hey, he was just making it up off the top of his head. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, I love. I, I it was look. An honor. Just that Fred would do your voice. I was like, I can't believe. I mean, he's only you know he does maybe twenty voices in his whole career. I'm like, he did one. He did me. I was honored. Yeah, I guess I maybe I should take that back to do it well and have a like a character. I just listened to a Howie Mandel podcast that he did, and uh, he started doing you know. Uh, was a Bobby's World, and he did. I forgot that he did Gizmo, and he he was just talking about how he did it, and he he could pull it off right like that, and it was Gizmo, you know. And I guess I'm like, okay, that that is a talent, but I'm always thinking because Justin Long started doing it too, and he sounded just like him. I'm like, maybe everyone could, do, but to do it well and over and over is probably the yeah. talent, like Fred. Yeah. Um, I know the last time we were on uh, together, we talked baseball a little bit. This is somewhat of a baseball podcast we do all kinds of things here so uh the giants have a new manager didn't have a great season we have 60 games i know you're a giants fan what do you think uh of gabe kapler your manager are you keeping track of the giants as we start baseball season terrible i don't <laughs> like the pick at all you know you get fired from the phillies maybe sit out a year take a bench coach job but they just jump and, and hire him when he completely tanked in philadelphia i got a lot of phillies fans uh, friends like the guy was the worst. I guess he had a connection to the new GM that used to work with the Dodgers. They, I feel like they forced Bruce Bochy out. You know, where he wasn't ready to go. They kind of gave him one more year to, you know, give a victory lap and retire. He didn't want to retire. Um, no, I'm, I'm down on the team. You know, look, they got to rebuild. I get it. You know, they. Uh, uh, but you know, it's, I, I don't like the kneeling. You know, they did that shit too. I don't like politics and sports. I'm like, I see it everywhere. I can't go anywhere without seeing that shit. Can I just not in every sport? Do it on your social media. Do it everywhere else but there. So um, I don't know. I mean, of course I'm going to watch. But um, look, they got to rebuild. They won three World Series in five years. They overplayed a lot. Overpaid a lot of players. The Buster Poseys, the Matt Cains, all of, they gave them a ton of money. And they kind of burnt out, you know. But they did win three World Series, so... It's going to take a long time to replenish that roster. So, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. They're, they're going to suck this year. They'll, they'll probably be 20 and 40. 
That's that's sixty. That's right. I was thinking, wow, is that sixty? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Twenty and forty. They got. I mean, they let Bumgarner go, which is I thought a mistake. He didn't even get that much money. They could have kept them. You know, so uh, the GM just wants to start. For, he's one of those analytic guys, you know, thinks because the second baseman, you know, walks, you know, 32 times a year that he should play. I, I, I don't, I'm not into that. Give me a give me a slugger. Give me the Yankee lineup yeah. with, with big guys that hit three run homers. That's what I like watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You need analytics to know that Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are going to be good this year. That that you need yeah, to. I know. Oh, I know. Yeah. They'll just hit the ball over the fence. <laughs> you know, so. Whatever. Look, any sports fan would take you're a Cardinal fan, right? Mm. So you would take three World Series in five years and then suck for the next five or seven. Anybody would take it. So I'm in the middle of that. Well, it's funny. So I have a lot of baseball guests. MLB Network's Greg Amsinger, and he's from St. Louis. And I tell him, man, I don't the Cardinals. What are they doing? And he's like, Brad, they've won 90 games. This is how I know. I this is when I know I I became the jilted, jaded. They went to the NLCS last year, and it's like the least favorite team I've ever seen. I hated that team, and they went to the NLCS. I'm like, I could not stand. I, I, my head was like, I don't want them to make the playoffs. I hate this team. Then they made the playoffs. Then they beat the Braves with some crazy games, and I'm like, I don't want this team to go to the World Series. I don't want this team because I hated the team. The team just it was so boring. They were plotting. I mean, they played great defense. They did pitch. So that's how I know that I'm I'm a jaded fan because. We they win a lot. They're always within at least third place, most times second place, and and always in a wild card spot. Um, and that's not good enough for me. <laughs> so I I don't. It's almost you're like it's almost they're like the Braves in the nineties. They're winning every year, but they just you know you're bored with them. They're not just that they weren't that exciting. Yeah. So I have you for a couple more minutes. What I like to do at the end of these, I open baseball cards. I have a fan here, right? You'll, let's look at some baseball cards. I got a pack of 1990 Fleer. That that's. Uh, we'll just look at them. In 1990. Oh, nice. Oh, sorry, 91. All right. We'll just... got a good Jack Clark in there. All right, we're gonna start with. Uh, Fran... Any gum in there? No gum. These no are. Gum. We got. Uh, I'm gonna show it to the to the folks at home first. Francisco Cabrera. Hey, he was good. He had the big hit for the Braves in '92, but not yeah. a great card. All right, classic classic '80s player here. Had some had some issues. I love Doc Gooden though. Guy was phenomenal. I mean, you got you got. I got to respect the guy that's too hungover to go to his to parade the next day. Doesn't get out of bed. <laughs> Well, they're going to do a thing on the 80, the 86 Mets. So I'm a Cardinal fan, and somehow the 86 Mets are one of my all-time favorite teams. I'm supposed to hate the Mets. As a kid, they just beat the shit out of everyone. I mean, and they, they didn't care, and they did curtain calls. They did all this stuff, and they were all on Coke, which is even better. I know, they were a bunch of dicks, Dykstra, Hernandez. They're just a bunch of jerks, I know. This guy is a former Cardinal, and I consider him a great. We got Tony Pena here. Now he was solid. He was good. He was a great catcher, man. He could throw from his knees and throw people out. And he would. He had flair, you know. He had. The, he sat down with the leg down, but that wasn't even for. He, you know what's crazy about that? And I remember announcers always saying, "Oh, you know, maybe that's going to be hard for him to throw." What I heard later is he was doing that to get a low enough target for his pitchers. All he wanted to be low, and he said the way I get down low is to get down there. It wasn't a flair thing. So, I love Tony Pena. Uh, Bob Mo- I, thought maybe, I thought maybe one of his balls was stuck to his leg and he was <laughs> stretching it out. So 
Bob Malacky does nothing for me. I remember him as an O's. Malacky, didn't he pitch for, I think he pitched for the Mets a little while too. I remember Malacky. I don't know. Well, I remember him that year. Not great. Terry Kennedy, we had this guy just on the last time. We we had this exact same card, Terry Kennedy, former Cardinal. He was a giant though here. I was hoping to find you some 89 giants, you know, like Kevin Mitchell. But he was on that 89 team. Backup catcher. Okay, yeah. I don't remember him too much. I know the name, but I don't remember him being on the Giants. I'm going to skip through this one. Bill Kruger, just a pitcher guy. This is what happened. You get some bad cards. Did, did you open baseball cards as a kid? You do this? Yeah. My, yeah, we met my kids all in the when He's 10, so he's into the baseball. We get some old one football and stuff like that. So it's always great opening cards. Someone said this guy's name just this week on a radio show I was listening to, and they mentioned how great he was in center field, and I forgot. And then I remembered Devon White was yeah, the most – Royals, right? Yeah, underrated, and he just he's at this point in the Angels. He played for the Blue Jays too, but he this guy could he covered a lot of ground and was underrated back then. Devo on the Royals too, or no? Maybe late, maybe late. Okay, I don't know. The Blue Jays, yeah, Blue Jays, Angels, yeah. Got a Royal here for you, Mike McFarlane. Yeah, McFarlane. Yeah, we're not not really good here. Edwin Nunez, eh, 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 pass. All right, this guy had a great. I don't know if he's got it here. Oh, he's shaved it. This I remember this guy pitching for the uh, White Sox. His name is Barry Jones. He used to have a great Fu Manchu, but he had shaved I don't it. Remember Barry Jones? Yeah, he's shaved it by now. Yeah, went really good Fu Manchu. This is a bad pack here. Mickey Morandini. Oh yeah, he was good. It was a Philly a little. You know, Phillies loved him. He was a scrappy player. You know. Okay, here's a good one. Isn't this ridiculous that we know all this stuff like this knowledge? Why? From 1990, where, oh, yeah, that guy, yeah, maybe put his leg out like that. Like, we don't know most things that we should know, we don't know. But we know about Mickey Morandini and Pena putting his leg out, stretching it. As a 12-year-old, I, this is a God-honest truth. Uh, you know, there was less teams. But if I if I was at the ball game and I saw that it said uh, 26 KC versus 54 New York Yankees, I knew that Steve Farr was pitching for the Kansas City Royals and Brian Fisher was pitching for the Yankees. I knew every number of every pitcher in Major League Baseball, wow. I was I was at that I was at tw- that's the only thing I ever learned at twelve years old. Right, it yeah, seems yeah. It seems bad. This guy I did get to interview. Uh, you can check it out on my YouTube channel. In nineteen ninety six, he was the MVP, and then uh, yeah. yeah, he passed away. Um, I can't remember if it was a suicide or something bad, but he passed away young. Yeah, I think he overdosed. Um, and he was on, remember he got caught. He, you know, he came out and he said he did steroids when he won. He was he the MVP. He won later in his career, and he said he was all up on steroids the whole time. He, you know, he was one of those guys that uh, exposed all those guys. Yeah, and I, I don't prom- to sit here and promote my interview, but I. So I was a kid when I interviewed him, and he was just so mellow. He had a cup of coffee, and I remember thinking, this is the most mellow, chill guy I've ever met in bait. You know, they're mostly strong, high, high, strong. He so. He was an interesting, interesting guy. Uh, I only got two cards left. I'll only show Ed Whitson as my last one. I love the Padre uniform. Ed Whitson, yeah. He was a Yankee. He went to the Yankees and bombed. Yeah. He got a big contract with the Yankees. He couldn't handle the pressure in New York. and They booed him out. So that's what happens when you open. all over him. Yeah. That's what happens when you open baseball cards. Sometimes you get a good pack. What did we have? We had Ken Caminiti. We had a a few, but nothing – we're not going to be making a lot of money off that pack, so I'll have to keep opening these up, I guess. What happened with the whole baseball cards? And when, because they used to be worth a ton, and then all of a sudden they just dropped and they weren't worth any money. I remember, I forgot what happened, with how that happened. So 
you know, through 1980, there was only one company, Tops. Then there was three, Donruss and Fleer. And then by 1988-89, that was like a huge – this is when I was a kid too. Like the baseball card, it just became, hey, Upper Deck's making baseball cards. Now Tops is making their own. So they oversaturated. And then the, there's, you know, everyone – and then they made a ton of them. So they weren't as rare. You know, like that Mickey Mantle 1950 – there's like a 1951 Mickey Mantle I think is like – worth a million dollars and there's probably only 30 of them out there they only printed that many so uh by by my friend to collect and he had all he said they're worth all this and then one day he's like they're worth shit now (laughs) so i wasn't sure what happened but i remember i sold my base i had a girlfriend i moved down to florida i'm 16 years old I, i i got a girlfriend and i wanted to see her so bad i sold my whole baseball car collection to get a flight back from florida to new jersey to see her and it was some guy in a van that I met like an alley. I forget how we met that he wanted to buy my cards. My cards were probably worth $10,000. I sold for 350 bucks. I had, you know, Willie Mays. I had McCubbies, early 70s. Wow. All these cards from the 60s. My dad had these cards. And I sold them just to go meet this girl. How was it? From some shady guy in a van. How, was it worth it? <laughs> no, because she broke up. Because... No, it wasn't. Because the day I got up there, I couldn't see it till the next day, right? Um, I couldn't see the night come in, so I went to a party with my friends. He took me to this party, and it was like this spin-the-bottle party uh, broke out. I was making out with this girl. She left a big hickey on my neck. And my girlfriend saw it the next day, and that was it. Spin-the-bottle parties. Now, are the kids doing that these days? I don't know. I don't don't talk to many kids, but you have one. Are they? I don't think so. They they probably get right to it. We at least, you know, (laughs) got to work for it. Yeah, they're doing it over the phone, you know? There's all this technology. Uh, Well, Jim, yeah, I had fun with this again. I appreciate you spending some time with me. Is there anything that we missed? Uh, You get the book out there. People can get that. We can hear you on Barstool Sports. Uh, The podcast is very funny. Uh, twice a week. Anything else you wanted to tell people about? And hopefully we'll get you we'll get get you back in St. Louis. Anything else that we need to talk about? No, I think that's it. Um, you know, I saw Fox Sports is going to be doing uh, like virtual fans in the stands. It didn't look that bad. I like. You know, I, watched it, I, watched it, I watched the spring training game yesterday, and they put like a little noise in when a guy hit a home run, and it was okay. I was like, this is going to be terrible, but it, it kind of worked. And the fans thing, it didn't look that bad. I like the noise in the background, and I've honestly said, I mean, if you shot everybody from down and you didn't see empty seats, you'd have no idea that there's no one there. If, if, if the shots of, you know, when they're low in the dugout and they're shooting towards the batter and there's empty seats, obviously. But there's a, I think if you hear just a little bit of that buzz, like the other day the Cardinals were on playing the Royals, and there was that stadium buzz. I liked it. I, I got. I. I don't know about the virtual fans. I haven't really seen it, but I'll. I don't like the cutouts though. I think that's a little over the top. Yeah. Although I would like one. I would like to have a hundred of me behind home plate. I think that'd be fun if it was just yeah. me kind of giving the finger to the, whoever, whoever Bryce Harper or somebody coming up. So. Well, I'll uh, take baseball with no fans over no baseball or any sport. You know, if there's no fans, <laughs> you get used to it. It was. You know, my kid, like I said, my kids in the wrestling, and they 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 never stop. Since the pandemic, they still have the wrestling every Monday and Friday and stuff, and they did start doing no fans. And at first, you're like that's kind of weird, but you get used to it. Now it's fine. So, do you get a chance to meet Vince McMahon, being a big celebrity like yourself? Do you get to take him out and meet no, Roman? I never met Vince. I would like to meet Vince. I know Chris Jericho because he has a whole heavy metal connection or whatever. So, but no, I don't really know that. I was never really into the wrestling after you know. Once I found that it was fake when I was fourteen, I was devastated. Meanwhile, it took me to 14 that, you know, I finally figured out it was fake. 
that I didn't watch for a while was Man at Wrestling. I'm a, I'm a fan. I've been a fan all my life. I do love how annoyed wrestlers get when you call it fake. I mean, it's clearly not fake. It's staged. It's scripted. But these guys are definitely, yes, jumping off the top rope. And when a chair hits them in the back, they're getting hit by the chair. Now, they have techniques to make sure it doesn't hurt as bad, but they're still getting hit. Like when Ric Flair does one of those chops, that you see the welt on the person's chest. That's not, you know, I, I, but I do enjoy when when some somebody will, like Bill Maher, I remember, to poli- politically incorrect, and he had Roddy Piper on, and Piper looked like he was going to, to deck him because, you know, Bill Maher has got that, that just that smart assy. Yeah, it's fake. <laughs> Roddy got up. Yeah, I mean, I, if I was a wrestler, I wouldn't want people saying my profession is fake either. I like that new wrestling league at AEW. Yeah. I'm digging that. Well, and you got, you know, it's, it's not uh, – it's not uh, Vince McMahonized, and you got Jericho kind of leading it, and you got Jim Ross, you know, like kind of these life wrestling guys. It does bring like fresh air to it. It is, it is interesting to see. It's good to have competition. You know, I don't know if you remember back when there was the big Monday Night War, you would flip back and forth to say, okay, what's Hulk doing? All right, what's The Rock doing? All right, let's move over here and see what. So I feel like they, it needs it because it's very stale with only one company having all the talent, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean the AEW, like right off the bat, they're you know within the as soon as they go on the air, they're fighting. With you know, I noticed with the WWE, it's twenty minutes of somebody talking in a ring, then to go to commercial, another seven minutes of another guy talking. I'm like, just get to some action. Who's your son's favorite uh, pro grappler these days? Randy Orton, St. Louis's own from Hazelwood. Yes, is he from St. Louis? Yeah, he went to Hazelwood High School here in St. Louis. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he still lives here. I think maybe in maybe in part-time but i know he's he's always right. you know kind of around yeah, he, uh, you know i, I trained him like the bad guys so he's a great bad guy randy orton it's great he can't be a good guy he's he's just has the no, no way he doesn't have the charisma for a good guy yeah, when he does it it doesn't work i mean even like stone cold was a bad guy who people loved and became you know a, a good guy still trying to do bad guy things but randy orton just does it doesn't work i i agree i enjoy i enjoy his work i have to say great i like him too jim i don't think i have anything else i appreciate your time today this was fun and again uh, the podcast is out there and hopefully we'll see you doing some touring here uh, hopefully the the country will open up 2021 will be a better than 2020 right that's it we're all gonna yeah, i think so yeah well yeah we'll be fine by that you just gotta you gotta wait it out so all right well i thank uh, jim florentine for joining me and here's the pitch and again masses restaurants in st louis five locations stlmasses.com is their website that's going to do it for this one. I, again, thank Jim, Vorn, Jim Florentine for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time.